in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have you along for the ride. Whether you're listening to the rebroadcast on the Vera Network and on ECW, uh, I mean, we're talking about great radio stations in Columbia, South Carolina. We're talking about the Vera Network. We're talking about the last frequency. You guys are carrying the show. I hope you're enjoying it. If you're listening to the podcast on the many great platforms that you can find the podcast on, thank you so much for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Meanwhile, I am excited to announce that we have brought on officially at this point a second sponsor. So sponsorship really starting to pop now. We've had some success with the uh, fourpatriots.com folks. And, you know, when I say that, I mean we because you guys made that happen. And uh, the thing is, once we start moving with forward momentum with this kind of thing, that's the kind of thing that continues to build. That's your success, probably more so than mine, because you recognize the fact that you needed some products, you needed to be prepared, and then you were kind enough to use the promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, 
to go get those things. You were kind enough to follow the links provided in the show descriptions. You were generous enough to help bring me along for the ride. Uh, so that when you made your purchases and you took advantage of your 10% off, that it really helped to elevate the production level of the sponsorship to the show. And now, I guess I need to tell you a little something about what's going on with that sponsorship. Because for Patriots.com, uh, they're still the top sponsor, number one sponsor. So we're going to go with them off the bat. And we'll discuss our second sponsor a little bit later in the hour. But right now, as I mentioned, Four Patriots Survival Foods is one of the best ways to be prepared for worst case scenarios. And right now, we should all be getting prepared for those worst case scenarios. Right now, we do have experts in the field that are warning us that China is hoarding massive amounts of food. Soon they'll have over two-thirds of the world's corn reserves, better than half of the world's rice reserves, and unfortunately also well over half of the world's wheat. Ask about it. China's going to lie. We know that. Because of that, one of these China experts are telling us that knowing that they lie, our best estimates are probably woefully low, meaning that half of rice, a half of wheat, two-thirds of corn, it's probably an undersell, a conservative estimate, if you will. Anyway, that should lead you to the question of what is it exactly that China knows that we don't. I'll remind you at this point that when it comes to global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. See, China has been for a long time the world's number one food importer. They literally rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. They can't afford to mess up, so they take the necessary steps to have enough food for their people. So what does that mean for average everyday Americans like you and me? Well, two words, my friends. Food shortages. And that's why it's a real smart idea right now to start stocking up on the best-selling Four Patriot Survival Food Kits. Create your own stockpile while you have the chance. We're talking about Four Patriots Survival Food Kits that are hand-packed in the United States of America. Kits that are compact, that come to you in containers that are easily stacked for ease of storage. They're rated to last up to 25 years. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You're not going to burn out on any of these things if you had to live on them for a prolonged period of time. And just FYI, they've got a ton of five-star reviews where they absolutely rave about the taste. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriot Survival Food by typing in code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use code TAP to get that 10% off your first purchase of the 4Patriots Food. That's the number 4Patriots.com. Use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, to get that 10%. All right, let's start taking a look at what's going on around the world, shall we? By now, you've undoubtedly heard about the leaked 
documents regarding plans for helping Ukraine prepare for a offensive against Russia. We talked a little bit about this last Friday when Ken was on board with because the reports were just starting to surface uh, on last Friday. Well, now we're being told by the White House that, you know, if you're a journalist, you really shouldn't report on what appears to be leaked Pentagon classified documents. Uh, I'll remind you, these have been circulating online since going into this past weekend. But no, no, if you're a journalist, don't report on this. If you're going to talk about something, uh, let's talk about what a great guy Joe Biden is. Let's not discuss the fact that apparently actual classified documents managed to get leaked. Because then we have to get into the the nasty, not-so-pleasant discussion about where did the leak come from? How did it get on there? Or we might even have to quickly explain to everyone why it is that our government didn't officially deny the authenticity of said leaked documents with the same gusto and with the same expediency that we saw other countries around the world that would have been involved with some of these operations, how quickly they denied the authenticity. It's almost as if either A, the Biden administration wants Russia to think these are legitimate documents, or they're afraid that if they lie about it and say that they're not, that they'll get busted down the road and pay a political price at home. Uh, After all, they certainly want to act like they're still being tough, standing up with Ukraine. Otherwise, it's harder and harder to justify continuing to send a lot of taxpayer dollars and a lot of military aid, although just a little at a time, just a little at a time, trickle, trickle, drip, drip, drip to Ukraine uh, so that they can continue to wash the resources and then a big chunk of cash end up back in certain bank accounts. Uh, Not that I'm insinuating that's the only reason that the Biden administration and Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. in particular, has an vested interest in a continuation of the conflict in Ukraine. And I would never insinuate such a thing. I would flat out say it, and that's what I'm flat out saying. That is, I don't think there's any question. Of course, there are those folks that want to deny the fact, they want to ignore what's obviously in front of their face. And that's fine. It's just... It doesn't make any sense to continue to take half measures. So if you're genuinely trying to help, it's time to either step up or back off completely and let things to settle on their own. Because you're not doing favors for the people of Ukraine by continuing a war of attrition in the middle of a hot shooting conflict, which is basically what both things going on right now happen to be. But anyway, back to what the White House is telling American journalists that they should or should not be doing. See, John Kirby went out, uh, in case you were wondering, John Kirby's currently uh, residing under the title of Coordinator for Strategic Communications at the National Security Council. Well, he made his case during the White House press briefing on uh, this past Monday 
as the U.S. government scrambles to respond to what some suggest may be the largest breach of classified secrets since the Edward Snowden saga. <sighs> Kirby said from the podium, after facing repeated questions about the documents, quote, without confirming the validity of the documents, this is information that has no business in the public domain. Uh, well, technically, if it's legitimate information and not disinformation, then Kirby's correct. It doesn't have any business being in the public domain, but it's a moot point because it's already out there. And not confirming, it's not the same thing as denying. And they've definitely made a point of not denying. In fact, I pointed out last Friday when we were talking to Ken Crow, uh, when this was still a breaking news story, that the most surprising aspect of this is that there wasn't flat-out denials about the legitimacy of these documents. Anyway, Mr. Kirby continued by saying, It has no business, if you don't mind me saying, on the front pages of newspapers or on television. It is not intended for public consumption, and it should not be out there. But again, Mr. Kirby, sir, it's already out there. It's all over the Internet. It's literally been circulating around the world hundreds of thousands, if not hundreds of millions of times, propagated on every social media outlet, propagated on every news outlet around the world. So why you want to say that? American journalists shouldn't be talking about it. If nothing else, we should be talking about the fact that it's out there. We should be talking about the possible ramifications if this is legitimate. We should be having the tough, hard discussions in regards to what do we do if we find out that Ukraine leaked it? Do you suddenly have to start backing off your sharing of intel with Ukraine? Because that would make it pretty hard to continue your current efforts where you're, you know, finding targets for them and then, you know, pointing them in the direction of where to shoot. Because that's a thing that's been happening for a while now. That's why one of our drones got downed by Russian fighter pilots not too long ago. They were not exactly happy that we're using our drones to pinpoint targets for Ukrainian military operations. We've been involved with military operations there in ways that we've not even completely admitted to. Now, I'm not sure that I'm buying the whole uh, extreme reports that there are, in fact, boots on the ground and that we are actively engaged along with some of our European allies in the region. I don't know if it's to that extent, but I will say that if that turned out to be the case, it wouldn't be too surprising at this point. I just, I really don't think it's happening because I think Joe Biden lacks the moral courage to commit to any actual military operation. That's why I I'm pretty certain that sometime in the next couple of weeks, given the nature of the military operations we just saw China conducting in the 
Taiwan Straits. I'd be surprised if sometime in the next couple of weeks we don't see them take more provocative action, perhaps even a few softening salvos before China makes a full-blown run to reunify Taiwan. I, I think we are, best-case scenario, a couple of months away. But honestly, I'd be surprised if it's that far out. Anyway, the Pentagon did release a statement this past Sunday saying that the Department of Defense is working to assess the validity and national security impact of images that began popping up in recent weeks on social media, starting over on Discord. Discord, of course, is a social media platform that initially kind of popped up as a gaming uh, social media platform, kind of like Twitch, only a little more hardcore. And then a lot of other people started using it for other uh, get-togethers online kind of things. In fact, uh, I do have a Discord account myself, but I don't really do too much with it, so I'm not an expert. But knowing how many different social media platforms are out there that you may or may not be familiar with, figured it was worth pointing that out. Anyway, what these images appear to be showing are secret details about China, Russia's war with Ukraine, surveillance area uh, efforts, and a lot more other things of a sensitive and intelligence-type matter. U.S. officials engaged with allies, partners, and Congress about the disclosure. At least, again, according to the Pentagon. But you notice, even that, that's not a denial. Just that they're working with allies and they're, they're concerned about it. Now, the U.S. defense official, well, a particular one, speaking to the Washington Post, said that many of the documents looked like they were prepared for General Mark Milley. Of course, he happens to currently be chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and, of course, certain other senior military officials. But this U.S. defense official also said, stressed, in fact, that these records would be available broadly to people with proper clearance, meaning that there's a lot of people who could have leaked this. Also, I will heavily point out that does not sound at all like a denial, but more like a legitimate argument for how they could be the real thing, and we really don't want to take any responsibility who might have actually leaked it, and we want to have lots of excuses for not even having an idea who to start looking at. Anyway, this particular source, the source of the apparent leak, well, it remains unclear, but... The Department of Justice has opened up a criminal investigation into the matter, so, oh boy, Merrick Garland and the crew are on the job. Congratulations, guys. Now, justice will be served, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, Kirby, who, for the record, is a retired Navy Rear Admiral, who previously served as Pentagon spokesperson, confirmed there is suspicion that at least some of the images, some of the images of the documents 
may have been doctored. Well, now, now we're starting to get into denial territory, right? Anyway, on Sunday, Israel pushed back on alleged intelligence that was reported by the Washington Post that said the country's Mossad intelligence agency encouraged protests against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's controversial judicial reform plan. Quote, the report that was published overnight in the American press is mendaculous, without any foundation whatsoever. That's according to the Prime Minister's office in a Twitter post, because again, that's where actual journalism happens now on Twitter. Uh, anyway, it claimed that uh, we was making the post on behalf of Mossad, uh, because of course Mossad has no business being on Twitter, therefore should not be making a statement at all. Mossad is their intelligence gathering agency. Quite honestly, they shouldn't be talking to anybody but the actual government. Meanwhile, one Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is staying briefed on the situation, according to Kirby. Asked whether the suspected leak is contained and whether there's an ongoing threat, Kirby responded by saying, and I'm a little surprised at the candor and honesty here. We don't know. We truly don't know. That might be the most honest he's been since taking a job with the Biden administration. And I don't normally spend a lot of time bad-mouthing John Kirby, mostly because it's not very often that John Kirby gets to be in the news. <laughs> he's usually very quietly behind the scenes. Now, we do have to talk about him every now and then. And I just, my problem here is that there's an insinuation. There is a clear-cut, nearly a threat, but, I mean, he said it in a non-threatening fashion, but he made it very clear. The administration's not happy. The administration doesn't like the idea that journalists are out there actually you know, committing random acts of journalism. How dare you talk about these things on television and the radio? How dare you print these things on paper or online? How how can you do this? It's such a betrayal of, of what exactly, Mr. Kirby? That is what journalists are supposed to do. The news is already out there. Everybody else is already talking about it. Why should we, here in the United States, remain in the dark when the rest of the world knows? In fact, such an insinuation leads one to believe that what you're asking for is continued compliance, an effort to keep the American public in the dark, regardless of what the rest of the world is saying. Regardless of how Americans may be negatively impacted, should this turn out to be true? More so, it does, as I've already mentioned, so I'll say it one last time before I move on. It does, for all intents and purposes, ask the media 
to not not have the American people start asking questions like, you know, why would you be helping Ukraine to go on the offensive in such an obvious and blatant way? Is that not an escalation? Would you not expect more direct retaliation? Russia already made it clear they're prepared for more direct retaliation when they took out the drone. And make no mistake, uh, I'm not a fan of them doing their shenanigans. They need to leave our stuff alone. But that was a direct response to us overstepping standard support services. Why is the Biden administration doing more for Ukraine than they were willing to do for the Afghan government upon our withdrawal? Because we trained that military to use our defensive techniques, which would have required the continued use of our support technology, which would have also then required the continued actual support because we didn't teach them how to use all the tools. We didn't turn over all of our best technology to their techs. We didn't try to to soar up their military actions so that they would be capable of being on par with us. We wanted to keep them at a disadvantage. We needed them to continue to need us. So when we suddenly decided we weren't going to provide any more support of any kind, it made all of their training useless. It made everything that we had done to try to make them better over the previous 20 years of our time spent there. I I don't feel comfortable calling it an occupation because I don't really think that's, even though lots of folks on the left and certainly the Taliban would like to call it that, I don't think that's an accurate description of what we did while we were there. But in the 20 plus years that we spent there, working with their military, trying to improve them and train them and get them better, we still never turned over the keys. So they weren't able to do jack with what we had taught them without the continued support that we would have needed to provide them in order for them to be effective. But that's exactly what we're doing for Ukraine right now. We're offering up the type of support that we refuse to give to the Afghan government, therefore the Afghan military, that could have held off the Taliban probably indefinitely if we had said, okay, we're withdrawing, but we are going to continue to give the support that the Afghan government needs in order for their military to operate the way we train them to operate. And I'm, I'm beating a dead horse now, so I'm going to back up. Bottom line here is I don't like it when any administration shows up at a press conference and tells the press you shouldn't be talking about stuff. It just doesn't feel particularly American. But hey, maybe that's just me. Let's go ahead and take the mid-hour break. And uh, when I come back, we'll move on to our next topic. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Hello, America. This is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing. And you are listening to Tim Tapp. Half into the truth.
the Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy public trial. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the penalty for trespassing on government property like the United States Capitol Building is six months in jail, plus $1,000 maximum penalty. Yet, Americans who went into the U.S. Capitol Building on January 6th have been detained for more than 10 months. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and five other representatives have discovered that those still locked up have possibly been physically abused and in some cases denied medical care. Allegedly, authorities are committing misprison of felony by knowing about certain individuals being put in solitary confinement before being indicted. I urge you to join me in contacting our representatives now and demand the January 6 Americans be released today. Thank you, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, for checking in on those still locked up while the Biden regime abuses this entire republic every single day. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly from your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. This is Matt Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. And the rain is coming. Uh, Matt Fitzgibbons hits the nail on the head with that one. Uh, man, I, I wish it wasn't the case, but at this very moment, there is a secret Fed bailout happening. And it's looking like 2008 all over again. Banks are collapsing Executives are taking fat bonuses, and the White House is running to the rescue, while regular people, you know, people like you and me, we're struggling. We can't pay our bills. We can't fill our gas tanks. Then, suddenly, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has the nerve to bail out wealthy Americans again, but not the little guy. Well, guess who's paying for that? Ah, you guessed it, you are. But you don't have to play their game anymore. Opt out of the system. Move your cash into gold and silver now, before it's too late. Call Gold Co. at 855-387-2932 to learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Take action today to protect yourself and your family from financial collapse before the White House takes it all away from you. That's the number 855-387-2932. Right now, give it a call and learn how you could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. One more time. That's the number 855-387-2932. And learn those three simple steps that you can take to protect yourself right now. And if you're listening to the podcast, you don't want to dial that number, you can hit the link in the show description that will take you to Gold Co. And will take you to get your free wealth protection kit. Uh, if you're not going to call the number, go ahead and click that link. And if you're not listening to the podcast, then call the number. <laughs> because you don't have a show description if you happen to be listening over the radio, do you? All right. Uh, with that being said, let's get back to the action. Yeah, you guessed it. Gold Co. is our new sponsor. So, uh, you know, uh, go check them out. At least get the free kit See what's happening. Uh, I don't think you're going to regret it. All right, so we got some more Tennessee news going on. Uh, we got Governor Bill Lee, who generally is fairly conservative, but every now and then he does something that gets the hardcore conservatives of the state a little riled up. I think he's probably going to find himself in some hot water here partially because of reasons I will point out once I get to the part where I bloviate, but uh, also partially because it feels like a bit of a backtrack and a surrender. But let me tell you what he did first. Governor Bill Lee, governor of the great state of Tennessee, right here in my home state, great place to be, uh, 
He called for Tennessee's Republican majority legislature to pass a red flag law. After, after he had signed an executive order intensifying the state's background checks on firearm buyers. Now, this brand new push, of course, comes two weeks after three children and three adults were murdered in cold blood at the Covenant School in Nashville when a trans-identifying shooter made her way into the Christian school and gunned down students and staff. Now, Lee told the Tennessean when he was uh, speaking to them that he's, quote, asking the General Assembly to bring forward an order of protection law. Uh, that's just uh, legalese for red flag law. An order of protection law, also known as red flag laws, but I already said that, which would enable the government to take firearms away from those who are found to be at risk to themselves and others. Now, before I continue with the article here, there's a reason why we don't particularly like red flag laws, and it's kind of a two-sided uh, thing. It's a, a double-edged sword here. On the one hand, it sounds super reasonable. Most people can step back and they can see how, logically speaking, you and I know that there are people out there that should not have guns, right? I mean, we just know it. But if we're going to honor the Constitution, everyone has a legal right that has been enshrined in the Constitution to own and to bear firearms. Uh, we've still allowed for a ton of laws to be passed and ordinances to be passed and a, a myriad of locations and jurisdictions that do, in fact, violate the Second Amendment because they do... Hmm, what's the wording again? Uh, shall not... What? What? Not to impede. Oh, gee, I'm starting to feel like a leftist. I don't know the Second Amendment, so I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. I... Look, the government at any stage doesn't have a right. And again, the Constitution primarily focused on the federal government. They can't uh, bridge or negate or cut into or lessen in any way your legal right to own a firearm. They can't. But the legal argument comes down to the fact that, well, if it's a state or a local municipality uh, passing law or an ordinance, that's not the federal government. And the Second Amendment to the federal constitution doesn't directly apply to those local governments. So, you know, wiggle room, right? Legal ambiguity, gray area. Doesn't make it right. But the other side of a red flag law in particular is even if you are super meticulous with how you write it and how you word it and making sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted and every comma is in just the right position, there's still a tremendous opportunity for abuse of due process. So it feels like you're playing into the hands of the left if you go along with it, that from a legal and constitutional standpoint, the room for abuse is far too high. Even when you put in extra effort 
to be as specific and as careful as you can be. There's just no doubt about it. You can't proactively take someone's firearms to crush their Second Amendment guaranteed rights without it being an infringement upon due process. The feds can't infringe on your right to own and bear firearms. The locals shouldn't be either. But a red flag does exactly that, even in cases where they probably should act. Even in cases where people may very well be a danger to themselves. The point of the matter is due process means that you have the right to actually commit a crime before you're treated like a criminal. And in fact, not only do you have the legal right to commit the crime before you're treated like a criminal, but you must be convicted of said crime before you're treated like a criminal. And as harmful as that may be in the situations in which people behave in a criminal fashion, it's still a much better system than to proactively take people's rights away just because somebody got mad at somebody and said, Hmm, they're acting crazy and they've got a gun. You better go take that away, because if they go shoot up some school somewhere, I'm telling everybody you didn't do it, even though I reported it. Politics over actual rights. Anyway, Governor Lee said, quote, a new strong order of protection law will provide the broader population cover safety from those who are a danger to themselves or the population. This is our moment to lead and to give the people of Tennessee what they deserve. What the people of Tennessee deserve is to be treated like we're adults. What the people of Tennessee deserve is to be treated like the law-abiding citizens get to interact and behave and have their legal rights left intact like law-abiding legal adults. What the people of Tennessee don't deserve is to have the rights trampled over because of a few bad actors. Again, I know the argument gets old and tripe and it gets really boring having to keep pointing this out, but there's a reason why those of us on the right side of the political spectrum generally tend to point it out, and that is criminals don't care about what laws you pass. It's only the law-abiding citizens that are going to be affected by these. And taking away somebody's ability to defend themselves, to defend their family, and to, yes, defend their neighbors if need be, it doesn't make anyone safer. Red flag laws feels like a proactive way to try and help prevent senseless violence. But at the end of the day, it is still nothing more than an infringement upon due process. So, again, I... I really, really wish there was some way we could go about it that wouldn't be. But I don't know how. I don't know how you write a law that doesn't infringe on due process. I just don't know how you can do it. How can you do a red flag law that doesn't? If somebody's got an idea out there, uh, feel free. Run it by this way. I will get behind it if you can show me. But see, that's the tricky part. I'm not going to say there isn't a way, but I'm going to say I certainly don't see a way. I don't understand why others are so adamant that, yes, it can be. Then, of course, other people, the leftists in particular, 
They just like the idea of passing red flag laws because they know that's just one more tool in the arsenal to take guns out of the hands of the law-abiding public. Now, Lee's executive order that he signed creates a 72-hour period for any new criminal activity and court mental health information to be reported on the Tennessee Instant Check System. The background check system that's currently used by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation when you, in fact, purchase a firearm. Now, under the order, the TBI is required to tell Lee's office and the General Assembly within two months of, quote, any barriers to complete, accurate, and timely reporting of information that is accessible in TICS. Now, red flag laws, which are on the books in 19 different states currently, including Republican-led states Indiana and Florida, specifically target those deemed to have mental health issues and allow a state court to issue an order for law enforcement to confiscate weapons from those ruled to be at risk. Now, the problem still comes back around to the fact that we have seen as recently as the Obama administration, an effort to deem all returning active-duty veterans as suffering from PTSD, whether they are or aren't, whether they show any signs or not, just automatically. If you were on an active-duty front where you may or may not have seen battle, well, you must have PTSD of some kind, period, and we're going to treat you like that. That alone would be grounds under most of these red flag laws to just take guns away from all veterans. You know, people that generally speaking have the best training and are probably the most qualified to safely own them. Now, again, I I believe that there's a lot of well-qualified and legally responsible adults out there that own firearms that aren't necessarily uh, veterans of our great military services. Uh, it's not a slight on any of them at all. But it is pointing out the absurdity and the hypocrisy of the folks on the left when they try to play this game. Now, again, the states of Florida and Indiana worked very, very hard at trying to keep a very narrow scope with a very set framework of how you would go about doing this. But the possibility of it being abused still remains. In fact, there's been multiple cases of exactly that. The 28-year-old Covenant school shooter, who stockpiled seven firearms, which, by the way, guys, uh, in this part of the country, that's just a good start on a collection. That, that's not even uh, an excessive number. I know some folks, uh, particularly in some northern states where they think it's sinful to own a gun, uh, there are seven guns? What do you need seven guns for? Uh, in this neck of the woods, it's like, wow, I can't believe she only had seven. Uh, that's hardly even enthusiastic at all. <laughs> anyway, stockpiled seven guns. Uh, this young lady who for whatever reason thought she was a dude uh, was receiving treatment for an emotional disorder. Uh, not the transgenderism. We're not allowed to act as if that's 
a disorder anymore, although until about five minutes ago, it was very much considered exactly that by every psychology uh, professional on the planet. Anyway, according to the Nashville police, she was receiving treatment, and her parents didn't want her to own guns. But you see, 28 years old, no way of knowing on the background checks that the address that she was living at was in fact her parents' home. Uh, they just had to check the address and make sure that the uh, mail was being received there. That uh, that checks. And there you go. Bob's your uncle. You can legally buy the firearms. You passed all the other parts of the background check. So do we want emotional disorder treatment showing up on the background check? I suppose if you're going to do background checks for gun ownership, uh, purchasing legal guns, uh, that there's probably not a lot of harm in that. But I still don't understand how you can do that and still be compliant with HIPAA laws. Now, I guess since COVID happened, HIPAA seems to have taken a back seat. It's almost like a forgotten thing. And it'll stay there until somebody on the left starts whining really bad about it again. There's, there's no question. That's what it's going to take. But right now, how do you put this type of treatment into a background check without violating HIPAA? Anyway, opponents of red flag laws, you know, people like me, we argue that they pose a threat to Second Amendment rights and the due process. Wow, I've already done that. And do not prevent criminal acts. Wow, I already pointed that out, too. Former National Rifle Association spokeswoman Dana Lash, you know Lash, I like Dana Lash, by the way, told the Daily Wire, red flag laws are only about two things, removing your due process protections and seizing your guns. The mental health of the individual in question is not treated. You're declared guilty and penalized in an ex parte process. And after, must pay to defend yourself before a judge. There is no evidence to support that they reduce gun homicides. There already exist ways to have a dangerous individual adjudicated mentally unfit, or placed in temporary custody due to the threat they pose either to themselves or others. Not exercising those options isn't the same as no options existing. Well, I guess that's why she was a spokesperson for a long time. She's got the talking points down. And yes, those are talking points. But unlike the talking points from the left, these talking points are based on you know, facts, reality, what actually happens in the real world. Hmm, who knew? Anyway, in a statement that was shared again with the Daily Wire on Tuesday of this week, Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton uh, said that the House is, quote, willing to work towards bipartisan solutions to protect all children at their schools, in their communities, and inside their homes, as long as any other, I'm sorry, as long as any 
order of protection law has a level of due process, protections from fraudulent claims, and a quick judicial hearing for individuals who pose imminent threats. Sexton also added, We all appreciate Governor Lee's leadership and his commitment to finding solutions to stop tragedies like the Covenant School shooting from two weeks ago. Now, I think they've already done the best thing that they're capable of doing. They quickly passed bills that provide dollars to get additional armed security into public schools and created a grant so that private schools can do the same. That's just not what the left wants, which is why I get concerned now. You did the right thing. You did the strong thing. And then all that gets covered up, gets hidden away uh, thanks to the national story of the Nashville 3, which really should have only been the Nashville 2 because you had two young black lawmakers uh, in title only because, you know, they basically were just still trying to be activist protesters who happened to get elected. Two young black lawmakers and a carrot. The worst kind of carrot. It's because of racism. It's because it's the color of our skin. No, it's because you actually hired a lawyer to offer your your defense before the voting took place. And some Republicans were so weak-spined that they didn't want to fight a legal battle simply over the technicality that they wrote one draft and then copy and pasted the names of the three different representatives who were being voted on expulsion. So it's like, oh, wait, we just did a copy and paste. She didn't do everything the other two did. Oh, no, that could be grounds for a legal fight. So what? Have the fight. She still was engaged in trespassing and inciting a riot, trying to lead it, again, by the language of the left, an insurrection at the state capitol. And uh, she was still rather unapologetic. And continues to be, I mean, she was kind of halfway apologetic uh, right before the vote. But then as soon as the vote was over, oh, no, this was racism, blah, 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 blah. Which is why you should not show mercy of this kind to Democrats during a political fight. They broke the rules and they went beyond that. And they've only elevated their status and provided a distraction from the actual tragedy. And I know I'm not the first person to point this out, but it still needs to be pointed out. Kamala Harris could not get to Tennessee fast enough as soon as the expulsion vote took place. She had to show up and talk about how these young men had to get a bullhorn to be heard. How they're Racist Republicans in Tennessee are so busy trying to silence the voices of color. But uh, no visiting with the families of the victims of the shooting. Uh, not even a phone call. Uh, not from barely there Beijing Biden and not from Kamala Harris. Uh, as far as I know, 
no worthwhile Democrat at the federal or state level, even though the feds want to make this a big to-do. Quick, could not practically broke your own neck from the whiplash trying to get here so fast once you saw the opportunity to try to control the optics and a chance to distract everybody from the fact that it's been rhetoric from the left that has elevated the temperature uh, to a point of violence blowing over from a lot of these young, confused people who probably should be medicated, probably should be getting uh, a little more emotional help than what they're getting, and to get them wound up tighter than, well, I can't say what first came to mind, not appropriate for the radio, so I'll stop right there, but wound up so tight that they're ready to snap, and then just turn them loose and say, all right, guys, transgender genocide, uh, they're trying to do it. Go out there, fight back, be ferocious. You're going to have to fight. No, we can't talk about their rhetoric. Uh, we can't talk about how Republicans have recently been removed in other states for the exact same thing. No, no, because the Republicans deserved it. They, they've got an R at the end of their name. Uh, we're not even going to discuss that. I mean, anyway, let's transition out of this hour. We'll reset the hour, and on the other side, we will come right back. Don't go anywhere. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west they homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, 
They can say how, and they can say why. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. This is Gordon Knight with Deep Seek Diaries. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now diving headlong into hour number two of today's broadcast. Thank you so very much for being here. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, That little liner as we rolled into the hour, you heard Mr. Gordon Knight, literally a political refugee here in the United States, a fugitive from Canada uh, because, you know, he and his family were writing technical manuals for electrical guides. And one day the Canadian government decided that they were going to do that. And then they decided because the Knight family was so much better at it that they wanted to eliminate the competition. Uh, So they then claimed that they were in violation of the law by quoting the law when the idea of the manuals were so that everyone could, you know, know what the law is so that they could comply with the law. Uh, the legal argument in the Canadian courts was that the law actually belonged to the people that wrote the law, and therefore they had no legal right to quote it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Well, when he was on with us just a couple of weeks ago, we did share a link because Amazon had let his book, The Deep Sex Diaries, back onto the platform, but he told us then that the Canadian government was still putting pressure on Amazon and was looking to take it back down. Uh, At that point in time, they were unable to sell the books through the website because the Canadian government was pressuring every possible uh, finance transaction group that you could work through to set up payments uh, to not let him conduct business, claiming that he was a money launderer. Uh, Not true, by the way. Well, he warned us then that they were putting a lot of pressure. Uh, Last time I checked, Deep Sex Diaries had been pulled back down from Amazon. The page doesn't exist. Now, there is a link in the show description if you want to go back to the Deep Sex Diaries uh, past broadcast. You can check and see for yourself. Hopefully, some point in the near future, it will get back up again. But that is the Canadian government hounding this man. And it's just an example of how quickly things can go bad. And that's just dealing with our own governments here, both in Canada and here in the States. And 
one of the scariest things there is the fact that Canada is getting to decide what can and cannot be sold here in the United States. What information we're allowed to have access to. Censorship, because their own corruption they don't want exposed. And our government's playing right along. So how do you overcome that? Well, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared to not need the government at all. You have to be prepared to stand up and stand out and stand alone for as long as is necessary. And that means taking the time to be prepared. You know, being a prepper is not such a negative thing anymore. And uh, I have to remind you once again, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, China is hoarding massive amounts of food. Again, the estimates, I, I keep pointing this out because I want to make sure that the impact really hits you. The estimates are running at about two-thirds of the world's corn reserves, about half of the rice, about half of the wheat. And you have to scratch your head and wonder, what is it exactly that China knows that we don't? Well, as I've pointed out several times now, when it comes to global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. China has been for some time and continues to be the world's number one food importer. They count on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. They can't afford riots. They can't afford civil panic or worse. So they can't afford to mess up on that count. Well, that brings us back around to what does that mean for average, everyday, ordinary Americans like you and me? I told you before. I'll tell you again, it's two words, my friends. Food shortages. And that's why it's a real smart idea right now to stock up on kits of the best-selling For Patriot Survival Food. Create your own stockpile of the For Patriot Survival Food kits that are hand-packed here in the United States of America. These kits are compact. They stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, so you're not going to have to face a situation where you're going to get burned out eating the same thing all the time if you're on a prolonged time frame where you have to utilize these food kits. They've got a ton of five-star reviews. They absolutely rave about the taste. It's great stuff. And right now, and I heavily suggest you go right now and do this, don't wait, don't put off... You can't be prepared enough, and you can't get prepared early enough. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriot Survival Food by typing the code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout. You know, as in tap into the truth. Yeah. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use code TAP, T-A-P-P, to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's the number 4 Patriots.com. Use code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. All right. Part of being prepared to have enough food is knowing exactly when food's going to become an issue. And food is going to become an issue if you happen to be someone living in San Francisco and a person that does your shopping at Whole Foods. Yeah. 
a Whole Foods location in downtown San Francisco, reportedly closed this week over... Da, 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 da. Oh, wait, uh, I probably should do the actual sound effect. Um, closed over... <laughs> High crime and unsafe conditions for employees. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not something that's new to the San Francisco area at this point. It's just a shame that that's what it's come to. The number of arrests in San Francisco has fallen significantly over the past three years amid calls from prominent officials, including the San Francisco Democratic Mayor London Breed, to defund the law enforcement. Well, Whole Foods will shutter a location at Trinity Place at 8th and Market Streets over rampant drug use outside of the store. In a statement, they said, quote, we are closing our Trinity location only for the time being. I see they're kind of hopeful that the folks in San Francisco, the people that are in political office in particular, and law enforcement might actually step up and do the things necessary to fix the problem. I'm, if I was the folks running Whole Foods, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. But anyway, uh, they said it's only for the time being, and they continued in their statement, if we feel we can ensure the safety of our team members in the store, we will evaluate a reopening of our Trinity location. Now, what that's really saying is they don't want to shut down there. Obviously, they feel like it's a community that is a good fit for them. I, all of San Francisco probably meets the Whole Foods uh, general business philosophy. They, they know who they're marketing to. But uh, according to a source in San Francisco City Hall, speaking on the condition of anonymity, they were speaking that uh, to different news outlets that the drug use and criminal activity from individuals near the store played a role in the closure. Really, no doubt they said as much. The downtown portion of San Francisco has also suffered from declining foot traffic in recent years since government lockdowns sequestered employees in their homes and apartments, all a part of the COVID lockdowns, right? Now, the Whole Foods location, which opened at the beginning of last year, was meant to be the flagship store for the brand in San Francisco and feature a variety of food products endemic to Northern California, according to a press release from the organic grocery chain. The store's design included nods to classic San Francisco or uh, architecture, such as the Golden Gate Bridge and the former Crystal Palace Market. You know, we wanted to show that they had a, a special connection to and was willing to pay homage to what made San Francisco so unique. Crime in San Francisco has been blamed for severely diminishing the quality of life and contributing to a mass exodus of residents and businesses. Pharmacy giant Walgreens closed several locations in the city, while technology retailer Best Buy has 
struggled with safety issues related to organized retail crime. Technology companies like Tesla and Oracle were among the 352 companies that moved their headquarters from Northern California over the past four years, that according to a report from the Hoover Institute. While nearly 8% of current residents plan to move elsewhere within the next year, surging past levels seen in every other major American city, at least according to the data from the Census Bureau. The closure of the Whole Foods locations comes shortly after the murder of Bob Lee, the prolific technology entrepreneur and the founder of Cash App, as he visited the city from Miami for a business meeting. Lee, of course, was stabbed to death in the early morning hours uh, just a little over a week ago. Tesla chief executive Elon Musk and former UFC champion Jake Shields were among the well-known individuals who criticized San Francisco leadership over the death of Lee and launched a renewed debate about crime and homelessness in the city. Except it shouldn't be a new debate, should it? I mean, it should be an ongoing debate until the problem solved. Not, oh, well, you know, we've just gotten used to it. That's just business as usual in San Francisco. Champion track cyclist Ethan Boyles was killed. A former fire commissioner, Don Caramin... I, okay, sorry, Don. I'm not even going to attempt your last name. Car- I, I'm not going to attempt it. I'm stopping right there. He was attacked last week in San Francisco. The former was hit by a car that crossed the center line of the road while the latter was attacked by a group of homeless people who slashed him in the face and beat him with a pipe in front of his mother's house. That's the former fire commissioner there. He was going to visit his mom. was attacked. Now, a lot of people would say, Oh, why are you talking about that, Tim? That's in San Francisco. We know things were bad in San Francisco. It's not just happening in San Francisco. Wherever you have uber-leftists in charge, and wherever you have... Soros-backed DAs uh, running DA's offices, you have this reaching new levels. Walmart, Walmart, is closing four stores in Chicago. It's cute here because they don't want to mention the crime being a factor, but it's pretty obvious, even from their statement, that crime is a factor. Walmart announced the closure of four stores in Chicago, Illinois, on Tuesday, April 11th, 2023, due to poor performance at the locations, a move that also occurs as the city sees worsening crime rates. Now, first of all, as much as we've talked about Chicago and the crime ongoing there and how bad it's gotten uh, over the last decade plus, One has to ponder, how much worse could it actually get? And yet the uptick is demonstrative and measurable. It has gotten worse and continues on a downward path. A big part of what I've been asking myself for the last little bit, and I thought about writing up a monologue 
uh, for probably a Sunday broadcast discussing the issue. How bad does it have to get? See, Chicago just recently decided they'd had enough of Lori Lightfoot. But then in the general election, where suddenly Lori wasn't on the ballot to split votes for, uh, we want the craziest leftist guy we can get, they went ahead and voted for the craziest leftist guy that was left on the ballot. And this guy is actually worse than Lori Lightfoot from a political standpoint. And believe me, I didn't think that was a phrase I would be able to say, honestly, without some level of exaggeration, yet here I am. It's not an exaggeration. It is the reality. This guy makes Lori Lightfoot look, well, almost like Mitt Romney. You know, not really conservative, but kind of sounds a little more conservative than your average Democrat. That, that's That's... And given the things that Lori Lightfoot has said in the past, that's still a big leap to the right from where she's at, all right? Now, the retail behemoth, a.k.a. Walmart, said that the four locations have not been profitable since they opened the stores, uh, since they opened the first of the four nearly 17 years ago, with annual losses doubling in the past five years. The four Walmart stores that remain open, I can't believe that a city the size of Chicago only had eight Walmarts. I mean, there's at least that many in Knoxville, and Knoxville's not as big as Chicago. And I'm not knocking Knoxville. I love Knoxville. I stay out here in the boonies away from it. Don't want to live there. But I don't mind traveling there, and it's it's not a bad place. Currently, or still run by Democrats, so I'm for fear of the direction it's going. But anyway, I digress. Only eight Walmarts in Chicago. That's, that's astounding to me. Chicago's a big, I've been to Chicago. I like Chicago. Of course, the last time I was there, it's been a number of years. Uh, crime wasn't as bad as it currently is, or anywhere close to it. And it had a great friendliness to visitors. I would hope that the hospitality is still the same, but it seems unlikely given everything that's happening. Anyway, they said that the four stores that remain open continue to face the same difficulties as the four they're closing. But the executives for Walmart believe that shuttering some of the locations actually creates the best opportunity to keep the others open. Uh, might actually have some self-policing from the folks that want to keep a Walmart. Might uh, try to help cut down on the shoplifting and the organized crap and maybe the crime going on on the outside, which in turn will lead to a better chance of profitability for the stores. More people going to shop at these stores, keeping the doors open, you know. I mean, Walmart's big thing, especially once they started opening so many different locations, was they could make enough profit at a couple of stores that they could afford to lose some uh, cash in a few stores as long as they were serving underserved neighborhoods, right? And, you know, and that's, that's not a bad thing. I actually like the fact that they were willing to do that. Uh, they're still immensely profitable over the, the whole but there does still come a point where your profit and loss sheet 
it's just unsalvageable. You're not going to be able to remain profitable. You're not going to be able to continue to serve these underserved communities that, that, again, using the language of the left here, hoping that they understand the point I'm trying to make on the larger side. You can't possibly continue that if you dip your losses to a certain point. So the convenience of having the four locations that are having to close has gone away. Maybe that will lead to a higher appreciation of the four that remain, uh, especially if now you have to make an additional effort to get there. But part of me wonders, are we too far gone for that to end up becoming a net positive? Will it actually create resentment from people living in the communities that just lost their Walmart? Will it, in fact, make things worse for the stores that remain? I mean, I hope not. And I'm not trying to put any ideas out there. I'm not trying to, to create negativity. And I don't need to. There's plenty of that in the universe already, right? But my question remains, which one are we going to see? I know we have a single Walmart servicing all of Roan County. And I'm fortunate enough to live in a location where I'm mere moments away from it. I still don't like going very often, but that's what Roan County will support, and it's down here, and it's cool to be able to go to the Walmart, and I would feel really, really bad if it were to close down and I started having to go to Oak Ridge again in order to go to the Walmart, because I'm not a big fan of the Oak Ridge store, the layout, and the way things are operated there now, and again, it's mostly because... I'm an unsociable country guy, and I don't like being in more populated areas if I can help it. It has nothing to do with the people who are there, just the fact that there are people there. I, I don't like big crowds. I still placate to large crowds and uh, occasionally will have speaking engagements and doing various things in front of crowds. And, you know, I, I don't. It's just not my thing. If I'm there to shop, I want to be able to get in and out. I don't want to have to stand in line for 45 minutes waiting to check myself out. Which seems to be where we're at with most Walmarts. Anyway, back to the story before I go wandering down this uh, primrose path a little too far. Uh, Walmart said in their press release, Over the years, we've tried many different strategies to improve the business performance of these locations, including building smaller stores, localizing product assortment, and offering services beyond traditional retail. It was hoped that these investments would help improve our store's performance. Unfortunately, these efforts have not materially improved the fundamental business challenges our stores are facing. Now, they're being very careful not to point out exactly what those challenges are. It seems difficult not to take the leap in logic to believe that it probably has to do with shrink. Now, if you have engaged in management of any kind, you immediately know that shrink means loss of product, especially unaccounted for 
loss. Uh, for a retailer like Walmart, that typically normally equates to shoplifting. It's not the only source of loss. There will be damage of goods that uh, are, you know, they're mishandled by people in the store and then they just try to hide it or employees possibly breaking stuff and then, you know, hiding it on the shelf so you can find it later so that nobody knows it was them, whatever it may be. Shrink is just loss, all right? It's actual product that has unaccounted for disappeared. No dollars in exchange for it not being there anymore, all right? So they're being real careful not to mention what their business challenge is. But for a retailer like Walmart, it's hard to imagine that shrink is not the issue. Associates at the affected locations will be permitted to transfer elsewhere. Walmart added that they will continue seeking solutions to racially, racial inequity in food deserts in Chicago. So they're acknowledging that the only reason that they left these stores in the places, in some cases as long as 17 years, or as long as they have operating at the losses that they've been operating at, was out of a commitment to serving, <clears throat> again, their language, underserved communities. Which also means they're acknowledging that that might be part of why they're having to leave. So the decision to shutter the four locations comes one month after Walmart closed the firm's remaining two stores in Portland, Oregon. Walmart CEO Doug McMillan uh, said in an interview with CNBC, uh, talking to them last year, that the company's been impacted by an uptick in shoplifting and warned that stores will close if the phenomenon is not resolved by city officials. They didn't make that statement here in Chicago, but again, it's kind of hard to imagine that that's not at least a significant part of the issue. Back when he was just talking about Portland, he said theft is an issue. It's higher than what has historically been. We've got safety measures, security measures that we put in place by store location. I think local law enforcement being staffed and being a good partner is part of that equation. And that's normally how we approach it. I keep mentioning that it's hard to believe that's not part of the equation here in Chicago. And that has a lot to do with the fact that lawlessness in Chicago has increased dramatically over the past four years. There were 490 homicides in the Windy City as of 2019. Before murders soared to 772 in 2020, 800 in 2021. This, of course, as nationwide Black Lives Matter protests occurred in the wake of the death of St. George of Floyd. Chicago Democratic Mayor at the time, Lori Lightfoot, who has a personal police unit with 71 officers assigned to protect her, meanwhile, proposed eliminated $80 million from the Chicago Police Department budget in 2020. Now, she wasn't about to give up any of the 71 officers assigned to protect her. She wasn't about to give up the 
ooh, nasty, mean old guns that Republicans need to take away from you commoners. But they won't do it because they don't have courage because they're in the pockets of the gun lobby. Uh, again, Gloria, if you were, you know, willing to give up 70 of those 71 officers, that might have went a long way towards slowing down some of this actual crime out there. And you would have still had one officer to protect you. I, I don't know how many you feel like you need, but if you have that many enemies, maybe you shouldn't be mayor of any location. I'm just throwing it out there. Food for thought. The Cook County Commissioner, Brandon Johnson, was elected last week to secede Lori Lightfoot as the next mayor of Chicago. Like I mentioned, he's not any better than she is. In fact, he's worse. In fact, by every measurable matrix that I can find, he may be a lot worse. He defeated the former Chicago Public School CEO, Paul Vallis, a moderate rival who had supported increasing law enforcement and bolstering public safety. He won in a relatively close race, probably could not have won had not a majority of the people who had supported Lori Lightfoot in the original uh, primary election. They had not shifted over to him. Johnson, of course, garnered criticism throughout the campaign which centered largely on the city's struggles to handle rising violent crime for his description of the Defund the Police movement as an actual, real, political goal in 2020. He was given a radio interview, 2020. <coughs> Excuse me. Of course, he denounced the statement in later interviews. Couldn't quite stand up to the heat of the words he had already said. Anyway, the announcement of the Walmart closures also comes on the very same day that reports revealed that the Democratic National Committee selected Chicago as the host city for the 2024 convention, where currently resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is expected I'm not real sure who is expecting it, but according to sources, he's expected to secure the nomination to run for a second term. I would have to say, not so fast, my friend. I'm not sure he's going to be the nominee. I have a hard time buying it. Anyway, let's take the mid-hour break as I run just a smidge long. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back after this very brief break. Stay where you are. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Of America. We are, we are, we are. 
Since its inception, the Democrat Party has been an organization hell-bent on wreaking havoc against our liberties, economy, and more recently in direct opposition to our national security. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, while I am speaking truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth concerning the Democrat Party, it is obviously nothing more than a subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party. I believe there are no longer any well-meaning liberals in the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is today a cataclysmic cauldron of wicked far-left lunatics seeking to literally kill liberty, destroy the economy, and assist China in its effort to dominate what remains of our beleaguered republic. The Democrat Party agenda is now 100% based upon the evil doctrine of Karl Marx with increasingly heavy-handed tactics that Chairman Mao would be proud of to see here in the United States. Democratic legislators and Joe Biden do not serve on behalf of the best interest of we the people. If it's good for America, Democrats oppose it. What's bad for America, the Democrats support it. The wide open borders and illegal border crossing invasion is self-evident of that fact. I say we stop the demented Democrats before they kill our republic. I'm Ron Edwards. See you on the next page from the Edwards Notebook. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akuari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from the 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free. The way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. 
Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Browns Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We would be just fine if it wasn't for all the insanity that we've got going on, especially at the federal level right now, I tell you what, it's incumbent upon me to remind you of the warnings that are being expressed by my second sponsor, Gold Co. See, there's a secret Fed bailout happening right now, and it's looking like 2008 all over again. Banks are collapsing, executives are taking fat bonuses, and the White House, well, it's running to their rescue, not ours, theirs. Of course, regular people, we're out here struggling. Can't pay the bills, can't afford to put tanks of gas all the way to full. I certainly feel bad if you're driving a big truck or something bigger. Then, suddenly... Out of the blue, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has the nerve, the unmitigated gall to bail out wealthy Americans and uh, people with strong ties to the Chinese Communist Party, bailing them out again. And remember, uh, when we're talking about the certain bank bailout from just a few weeks ago, we're talking about more than half of that money only going to 10 accounts. That's how wealthy these folks are. And despite their best efforts to say to the contrary, guess who's actually paying for that? Yep, you are. You tax-paying person, you. How dare you be a producer rather than a moocher. Anyway, the good news is you don't have to play their game anymore. You can indeed opt out of the system and move your cash into gold and silver, and you can do it right now. In fact, typically, sooner rather than later is better. You need to do it well before it's too late. Call Gold Co. right now at 855-387-2932 to learn the three simple steps you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Take action today to protect yourself and your family from financial collapse before the White House takes it all away from you. Call 855-387-2932. Call them right now and learn how you could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Gonna have to move quickly to take advantage of that. Again, that number is 
1-800-273-8832. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can go down to the show description and click on the link to get your free wealth protection kit from GoldGo. The number one gold and silver IRA provider, period. Best reviewed, better business bureau is nothing but positive for these guys. It is phenomenal. You should take a look at their uh, bona fides. All right. With that being said, let me remind you that there's reasons to be concerned. We just talked about how Walmart and Whole Foods are closing locations. Well, we just saw Joe Biden miss a golden window, at least that's how it's being referred to, to restock the strategic petroleum reserves. You know, the petroleum reserves he depleted to give oil to parts of Europe instead of, you know, keeping it strategically here. Canary CEO Dan Eberhardt was remarking that Joe Biden missed a golden window to replenish the depleted strategic petroleum reserve when oil prices were reasonably low. That, of course, now has changed because OPEC, an economic bloc constituted by Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and other countries that Joe Biden has thumbed a nose at, with a large share of the worldwide oil production, recently issued an unexpected reduction in output, causing oil prices across the planet to soar. Brent crude, the benchmark for fuel drilled in the Atlantic Ocean, it increased from $79 a barrel on March 31st to $85 per barrel on April 11th, and it's still climbing. Now, our financial expert commented, in an interview with Fox Business that, quote, the train has left the station with respect to Biden's replenishing the strategic petroleum reserve, a stock of emergency crude oil intended to minimize the impact of fuel supply disruptions since the price of oil is unlikely to fall below $80 per barrel for the foreseeable future. He said, and I quote, I can't stress enough how missing the window to replace the strategic petroleum reserve is just really bad for our national security and really bad for customers, too. Well, he said consumers, but I guess consumers is a better fit. The administration has left us completely unprepared. I think that was the plan all along. I I think that's a feature, not a bug. It's just insane. Now, Democratic lawmakers, of course, previously criticized former President uh, Donald John Trump, you know, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Uh, They criticized him for attempting to purchase oil at $24 a gallon in order to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Congress blocked the measure amid broader stimulus package negotiations. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer boasted that his colleagues had nixed a bailout for big oil. Again, $24 a barrel, that would have been awesome. We're now looking at a point in time 
where that uh, that seventy nine dollars per barrel would have been better. It's just insane. So that golden window, it has been passed. Now, other big news, and I say this is big news because it shows you that the fight is ongoing. Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, has now officially filed a lawsuit against House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan. This, of course continues to escalate the standoff over the prosecutor's investigation into former President Orange Man Bad. The 50-page lawsuit, which accuses Jordan of obstruction and interference, seeks to block congressional subpoenas linked to his inquiry into Trump making alleged hush money payments during the 2016 election cycle. In other words, Jim Jordan says, we want to make sure that you have something other than just political rationale for filing this. And he doesn't want to cooperate. He doesn't want anyone to see exactly what it was that he's doing. So now he's suing, claiming that, oh, well, I'm sorry, but the Senate has no oversight of my office here in Manhattan, which technically is true. However, as the Judiciary Committee, they do have reason to be concerned about if a state DA is in fact trying to manipulate federal law to make a state case. So we got a lot of murky territory here, and I don't think we're going to get a very clean answer here either, no matter how far up the court system this ends up going. Anyway, as I previously mentioned, Jordan had uh, announced some subpoenas. In fact, it was just last week that he did so. These subpoenas demanding a deposition from former New York City County, I'm sorry, not New York City, New York County Special Assistant District Attorney Mark Pomerantz, who has been gun ho about criminally charging Trump. Our good friend, former Special Assistant District Attorney Mark, uh, he abruptly resigned along with one other prosecutor leading the Trump inquiry back in February of last year after Bragg reportedly expressed doubts about the case he inherited from his predecessor. In a resignation letter, that letter came to light that uh, Pomerantz insisted Trump was, in fact, quote, guilty of numerous felony violations. He has since opened a law firm with the other prosecutor who quit, uh, one Carrie Doon, and earlier this year came out with a tell-all book called People versus Donald Trump. Probably should have been titled Certain People, uh, against Donald Trump, but anyway. Jim Jordan said that the uh, public statements that had been made by the former special assistant prosecutor about the investigation, quote, strongly suggest that Bragg's prosecution of President Trump is politically motivated. Trump, who has broadly denied any wrongdoing, is months into another bid for the White House. Jordan, a supporter of the former president's, 
has placed scrutiny on federal funds being used in the probe. Now, that seems appropriate because why is a state, why is a DA who's uh, assigned to the Manhattan District having to use federal funds to investigate this in the first place? Bragg's office said roughly $5,000 in federal forfeiture money was used on expenses related to the investigation of Trump and the Trump Organization that were incurred between October of 2019 and August of 2021. Jordan responded to this by saying that the panel may consider legislation, quote, to enhance reporting requirements concerning the use of federal forfeiture funds and or to prohibit the use of federal forfeiture funds to investigate a current or former president or presidential candidate. Now, I uh, I get what Mr. Jordan, I'm sorry, what Jim Jordan, man of the people. I get what he's trying to do there. In, in saying this, it seems appropriate that they make it clear that uh, there should be restrictions. If you're using federal dollars for something, you should lay out exactly what those dollars are for, and the state should not have discretion to use it in ways that do not fall within those very specific parameters. By the same token, probably shouldn't be making forfeiture dollars available, period, because as longtime listeners of the show will recognize, I'm not a big fan of this whole notion that you can be using, well, I'm not a big fan of the whole idea that uh, you can even take forfeiture money from people, considering that it's not just criminals that they're doing this from. It's another violation of due process. They, they grab up money and property from people just because they deem it to be suspicious. Even when there's no evidence of a crime having been committed, or that there was a commission of a crime that was going to be committed. Lots of times they will even not pursue charges at all, but they won't give the property or money back. If there's not a conviction of a crime, they have no legal right to the money or the property. It shouldn't be allowed. And it certainly shouldn't be collected to the point that, okay, well, we're collecting it because a lot of states have now started making it illegal within the states, but they can still take federal versions of it because the federal government will probably never move to make forfeitures a, a illegal thing, even though clearly it is a violation of due process. Anyway, back to this point. Uh, if it's federal dollars, then the Fed should be very much in control of how they're spent. With Jordan signaling this particular month that others, including Bragg himself, may also be subpoenaed as they demand information from the prosecutor's office, the lawsuit also asked the court to declare, just state outright, as invalid any any subpoena targeting the district attorney or current or former employees of his team. In other words, hey, you guys, uh, don't let him do this. That, that's really all it's to say. And maybe it's just me, but that just kind of makes me want to know 
what it is he doesn't want to deal with. What is it you don't want becoming public that you won't be able to, to put back in the bottle? What genie is about to be released here? I demand that you deem this to be invalid. Now, your Bragg's lawyer filed a lawsuit in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York. In addition to Jordan, the suit also lists the House Judiciary Committee and uh, his former special uh, prosecutor guy who quit as a defendant. Don't know why he's putting him on there, too. I guess he's not in the good graces. So best be careful that that doesn't make Mr. Pomerantz decide that he wants to testify. Because, see, the current subpoena, it just seeks to compel Mr. Pomerantz to testify in a deposition on April 20th. Oh, that's coming up real soon, isn't it? April 20th of 2023. Chairman Jordan's demands, including his subpoena, to Mr. Pomerantz, seek highly sensitive and confidential local prosecutorial information that belongs to the Office of the District Attorney and the people of New York. Basic principles of federalism and common sense, as well as binding Supreme Court president, uh, precedent, forbid Congress from demanding it. Uh, except it would all be true, but if you have used federal dollars, in the course of this investigation, they then do have a legal right to some portion of oversight because they get to have oversight for anything they pay for. On the face, I don't disagree with your uh, premise, but as soon as you use federal dollars, you open yourself up to this. Now, folks have been asking the Judiciary Committee for comments was directed to a tweet sent out by Jordan himself, where he said, quote, First, they indict a president for no crime. Then they sued a block congressional oversight when we asked questions about the federal funds. They say, they admit, they acknowledge that they used to do it. Within a couple of hours, Judge Mary K. Viscasil denied Bragg's motion for temporary restraining order to freeze the subpoena against Pomerantz. But did order responses from the defendants by April 17th and scheduled a hearing for April 19th, one day before Jordan scheduled the deposition. So that could be interesting. The lawsuit, of course, comes one day after a panel announced a field hearing scheduled for next week in Manhattan to examine how Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's pro-crime, anti-victim policies have led to an increase in violent crime and a dangerous community for New York City residents. Bragg, of course, responded by releasing the statement on Twitter, defending his record and calling the planned hearing a political stunt. I mean, what else is he going to say? Uh, he is a Democrat, he's a leftist, and he's not about to say, oh crap, the jig is up, they got me. Nope, nope, they're just trying to protect the orange man. Uh, well, it sounds like you're trying to protect yourself, dude. If you got nothing to hide, why do we not even know what the actual crimes that you accused Donald Trump happen to be? Oh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the commission of uh, writing a check and 
commission of uh, sending a wire and but to cry to cover up a crime that's what makes that a crime so what is the crime he's covering up oh yeah as far as we can tell because it wasn't actually in the indictment as it was released you're still trying to make a case that somehow you can tie that to federal election law right you're violating federal election law not your jurisdiction my friend and well more appropriate is one of my esteemed co-workers at the day job would say not your monkeys not your circus and you definitely got monkeys in your own circus there pal you need to understand had you not used federal dollars to do this you'd have a much stronger case Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee, of course, have criticized their Republican colleagues for focusing so much on Brad, saying, quote, in a desperate attempt to protect Mr. Trump, the most extreme House Republicans are already trying to bully the law enforcement officers involved. This, of course, coming from Representative Jerry Nadler, the ranking member on the panel for the Democrat side. Of course, he said that in a statement after Trump was indicted, quote, I do not know how this case will be decided, but I do know that D.A. Bragg will not be deterred or intimidated by the political stunts Jim Jordan and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy throw at him. Yeah, except that's not what they're doing, is it, pal? Uh, that's what the left's going to tell Democratic voters, but that's not what they're doing. Uh, they're trying to get to the truth so that the American people can know the truth. Now, it may be motivated partially to protect Donald Trump, but that same protection is protection you're going to want afforded to you when it's your time for due process. And again, this whole monkey show is a smack in the face to the very concept of due process, the alone law and order. That's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for uh, joining me. As always, I do appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap to the truth. And one final message tonight for one Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go
control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family using both hands Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid